Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. You are joining episode 27, and my guest today is Star Plummer. She is the writer of the Passion Walk series, and I had the pleasure and honor of reading part two of the Passion Walk series, Naked. Your best teacher is your last mistake. I was not expecting what I read, and I think I say that all the time, and I think that just goes to show you that I still have a problem with expectation, something I'm working on. But this book is what I would call a Christian romance novel. Now, what's interesting to me about this particular style of writing is it's, number one, something that I don't usually read. And I was glad that I did read it because it reinvigorated my appreciation for fiction. I don't know what happened to me, but over the years, I went from nothing but fiction to nothing but nonfiction. And then I took a real intellectual turn and decided that there were just certain books that were beneath me. And I pulled myself out of that. The thing is, is this book revealed so many real life struggles that relationships endure. And I just saw so many concepts unfolding. And I'm not going to lie, there were some parts of this book that really turned me on. So thank you, Star, for that. Because yeah, I grew up digging through hidden books and hidden playboys when I was a kid. I probably had way too much information at a young age thanks to the grandfathers and the uncles and even my parents that had Playboys or penthouse letters, the joy of sex, the sensuous man. I was reading these kinds of graphic forms of literature at a young age, and I think a lot of that has to do with how and why I have the lens that I do today. So because this reinvigoration and appreciation for fiction and specifically erotica, I'm going to do my damnedest to make sure that I'm not judging a book by its cover, which is something that I think we all get caught up in. We judge a book by its cover. Some of us will only read a book if, if the art is clearly done in some kind of respectable nature, meaning that if it doesn't draw me in with the cover, then it must not draw me in with the content either. And, you know, we, we apply that not just to books. We apply that to people. That was an interesting development that I myself had to endure and struggle through and try and understand about myself. And so I hope that you will read her book, that you will see her passion, that you will see her heart, that you will see the intentionality that she sets forth and that it impacts you in such a way that it does make you think differently, not only about relationships, but about fiction. And not only about fiction, but about looking at people in general and judging them based on what they look like without understanding the content of their character, which I think in in lieu of Black History Month is the resounding, remarkable quote of Martin Luther King Jr. that we so inadequately apply to our own lives. And that is we judge people based on the color of their skin and not the content of their character. And now before we jump into this recorded conversation, I'd like to share a little bit about Star Plummer's story. S.L. Plummer returns with Passion Walk 2, Naked, the sequel to her debut erotic Christian family drama. This was inspired by a strong relationship with God. Plummer draws on the word and her own cultural heritage to create flawed but deeply human characters struggling with the challenges of faith and relationships. She says that she wrote this book as a way to minister to people who think God does not love them or that they do not belong in church. Her characters touch on what is considered taboo subjects, but she believes the conversation about God and religion is not complete if it does not include sexuality and other touchy topics. Now, can you understand why Star is my people right now? I don't know if you've been paying attention. But I, too, believe that we cannot become fully integrated, developed human beings if we are compartmentalizing our sexuality from our spirituality. And with all of this being said, listeners, I encourage you to compassionately consider the perspective of Star Plummer. Enjoy the episode.
flaws and not beating up on themselves and just kind of just breathe. Yeah. You know, breathe, see others. You know, there's this culture in the world where people um, are knocking other people or saying negative things about other people. Mm -hmm. And they're people too. And they have things in their life that they may be addressing or that they may not be addressing. Um, I have no judgment for nobody. I am a human being. We're all human beings. And that's the way I want to come across in my art. I'm not on any pulpit. I do address some um, non-conventional or conventional things in my writing, uh, in the erotic field that some people may not. When I started writing, I didn't want to, um, I never wanted to just write a playground, Mm -hmm. something for people to escape into. Mm. I wanted for people to find themselves on the road. It's like, oh no, you're not going to just dive into this. It's not going to just be a play and escape and you not deal with yourself and your issues. I found myself dealing with my own issues in my art. I had no idea that I would publish when I published, nor did I know that my book would end up taking the road that it took. Mm-hmm. And, um, and my only goal is to, you know, have people encounter my art. It's new. It's different. Breathe. See it. Can you relate mm-hmm. to what I'm saying? I tell you can. One of my um, mentors, and she managed me for a while. I shared with her some of your notes. She says, oh, yeah, she gets you. She mm-hmm. understands. We're a part of the same um, faith-based church. And um, your notes just really blessed me. I was like, oh, wow. That's One of them I think I may even blow up and put on my wall. Because <laughs> it reminds me. I look at I look and I see somebody else sees what I'm doing. And the goal is just to get the work out there. Let's talk. Let's talk. I mentioned to you that my um, workbook. Yeah. I'm not writing my workbook. I got folks doing that. People yeah. who believe in the passion walk vision are going to pick that up and do that while I'm writing the series. Well, you know, and Star, that's something I actually really appreciate about your book. And, you know, I'm not a fiction reader, like in general. I used to be, like that's what I grew up Mm. on. And even as a younger adult, I I lost myself in fiction. But at some point I made a shift and I was like nonfiction only. And then I made another shift and I wanted to, you know, get all philosophical and theological and learn other things that I hadn't learned. And one of the things that I always felt and I still feel is lacking from a lot of the nonfiction and just conceptual books or here, this is how you become enlightened, awakened, whatever is, there really isn't a lot of practice. There aren't really a lot of methods walked through. Even the experiences that theologians speak to when they're talking about their divine revelation with God, I feel like it lacks so much. And Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't visualize what they're doing, how to put that into practice. And so what Passion Walk offers, what I saw anyway, was, you know, the dialogue between these couples and to see kind of some of the steps, the processes, the words they say to each other, the prayers they say, kind of that was their method. That was their application. Here's something that someone can read and say, I can do that. I can visualize that. I can put that into practice into my own life. And so I love Mm -hmm. that you're doing this workbook idea. So could you, could you talk a little bit more about this workbook? Um, well, I, I said to my friends, there needs to be a workbook and you're going to write it. <laughs> I love that. And, and the reason why I said that is because I have a couple of friends that um, have gone with me along the journey and they have insight to this. They're like, Sandra, do you realize what this could be as a workbook? you know, where people could deal with or some of the things that you had mentioned um, uh, about, you know, men and um, looking oh. for the solution in sex. And I was talking yes. to Ramon Chantes Jackson, which is my spiritual son who wrote my forward. And he said, oh, yeah, he, he wrote your notes. He says, I was checking that your notes this morning. <laughs> and he said, yeah, absolutely. He said, men do that a lot. Mm-hmm. and um, um, 
I want to deal with real life, they're going to come up with the topics and the subject matters and the workbook possibilities. I don't have a list for things for you, but I think there's enough real life going on in my work Mm -hmm. that it can be useful Mm -hmm. to people. And I have people that are behind that idea. They're saying, absolutely, let's let's do this. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I passed the task on to a couple of friends is I would like to stay engaged in the whole series process because I got tons of work to do. So the hope is um, with the workbook and the the, uh, conversations that'll happen and the groups that'll happen because there'll be workbooks and then there'll be people doing workshops from the books. And um, people will be able to come together almost like AA or whatever (laughs) and just kind of check in about life. I think that's um, a great idea, actually. If I could just step in for a minute, what you're talking about, I love, and I've tried to get interest in my community. I guess I haven't, maybe I haven't tried hard enough, but the idea that we can come together as a community and work through like these very specific issues that you addressed in your book, I think I, I myself, I've dealt with infidelity in my marriage. I cheated on my husband in the very beginning. And so That was one of our first mountains to overcome. And a lot of people go through a lot of stuff that is in this book that they don't want to talk about. But I think if they knew they had a community and they had a workbook and they had an application and they had someone to guide over them, people would be more willing to open up to one another. We could be more vulnerable with each other and we could kind of get back to that idea of like, oh, you're human too. Oh, hi, human, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just think that what you're doing, even just on starting in a local proximity and expanding that outward would be just brilliant for increasing intimacy and vulnerability within communities. Yeah, absolutely. And what I think about is what, what starts talking about a workbook. It's an erotic book. Is it, there's a lot of people who don't know what's in it. Mm-hmm. Folks mm. pick it up. You got to read it. Please. It's like, what is this? It's not just, it's not smut. No, it's not. <laughs> It has its its sexual moments, but I like dealing with real life. So we're talking about real people, fiction people as real people, mm-hmm. dealing with real personal issues in and around their life, quote unquote, their calling, <laughs> meaning, you know, uh, their calling to God or what they feel led to do and choices that they make in and around their sexual lives. Mm. And and is that healthy? Is, are we making healthy choices? Are we choosing things that are um, making us better? Are we choosing things or avoiding things that has caused us to be locked into these situations that are just kind of suppressing us as human beings, that are keeping us from soaring? Are we yoked up right? Mm. And I'm not being preachy, yeah, folks. I'm just I'm just talking about life and real life as an adult and a sexual human being. How about this? Real life as an adult and a, a sexual being that is called by God. How yeah. about that? Yeah. And those people get stones thrown at them all the time because many times they're hiding. They're um they're not transparent. Mm-hmm. What my pastor would say they're um dichotomies they're not the same person everywhere they go you really can be the same person everywhere you go it is possible are you talking um, about bishop yvette plum plumber plumber am i saying her name plunder yes yes that's okay yeah i remember she said something she said what those that are the most religious standing up are the most scandalous laying down yes yeah there's a lot of truth to that, but it doesn't have to be that way. Yes. Um, I think, I think we can all stand to make healthier choices. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, I like to see us as a human race healthier in and around relationships and sex and not locked in situations where, you know, we're, I'm shaking my head. <laughs> You know, where where we're just, okay, well, I'm I'm with this person because they pay attention to me and, you know, not willing to take chances. Yeah. 
not willing to, to end something, to start something better, you know, mm-hmm. because people just don't want to start. There's a lot of that going on. There's a lot of people that don't want to start over. Yeah, I agree. And, but I mean, relationships do get a little dry though. And yes, you know, the re- I got to be honest. One of the reasons this book really resonated with me is because, man, I hope my husband doesn't kill me for saying this, but so like the things that they do in this book. So we'll put it out there. Sandra and Nehemiah are married. Chocolate yes. is a woman from Nehemiah's past that comes in and it, she's for Sandra. And so he's kind of in this position where they're doing these threesomes. Uh, they have this kind of like, threesome relationship on the side. But the reason this was really interesting to me is because my husband and I are in this point of our marriage where we're just thinking out loud about other ways to evolve our marriage. And so, of Mm -hmm. course, this conversation has come up. Would we ever include somebody into, you know, our marriage bed? Would we do something like this? And, you know, just speaking our fantasies out loud and talking about ideas. And I can't help but wonder, like, how many other how many other monogamous relationships end up like this where we get to this point where we're starting to question, should we allow our sexual curiosity continue to evolve beyond this little parameter that we've been planted in and told that this is where we're contained and they, you know, bring to the surface, here's what can happen. And they showed that in some aspects there was fruit and in other aspects it was chaotic. Um, and it really made me just want to ask the question too, have you ever been in a relationship like this or was this relatable to you because you knew someone who experienced this? Okay. And what I want to say is as to your own life, that's where personal relationship with God and prayer comes in. I cannot say that that choice would be wrong for you. Mm-hmm. I think that any sexual relationship can be blissful or complicated. Mm-hmm. I think people's true intents and how they communicate that or not, because a lot of people hide what their true intents are, and that tends to complicate things down the road, because what is in a person is coming out. Mm-hmm. It's coming out of their heart or their mouth or their, their actions. And that can go for any, go for a friendship, mm-hmm. it can go for a marriage, it can go in a sexual relationship there seems to be a circus going on in the sexual um stream um um as you know that's the way i see it Mm -hmm. um no i've never been involved in um anything like that but i i do know people who have i read about did a lot of research of people who have and so it's not um a direct personal reflection. Mm-hmm. And I'm certainly not saying to the world that, oops, all threesomes are bad. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. horrible. This is going this is how this is going to turn out. No. And like- yeah, I didn't get that either. I thought, I thought it was just one perspective of one potentiality. Really? Yeah. And it is. And, and people ponder the aspects of their own lives. And I would say, Continue to uh, count up the cost, ponder, pray, choose wisely, because a lot of us are not choosing very wisely. We're, you know, uh, there's people who choose based upon looks or people who overlook aspects that they know could be chaotic Mm -hmm. because of sexual attraction or something. And then when something comes out later, it's, oh my God, but I find out in most cases, when things get chaotic, um, you find out, say, you know, somebody that's been together 10 years and all of a sudden something crazy happens. And then you're talking to your friend and all of a sudden you find out, oh, you knew this eight years ago that this was a possibility, Mm. you know, um, because you've known, you saw the signs. And I'm not saying, the reality is the bed you make is the bed you sleep in. Mm-hmm. And we all make choices and we all are not necessarily making the best choices. Sometimes we make better choices than others. I'm not here to judge anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I really appreciate about, and not just this is it's, they learned from this, from their own past and they healed their own, wo- their older wounds. 
And in some cases, they weren't even aware of what they were. And I think that is so relatable for everybody in life and what that we have something significant happen and it really, really sucks. But we start to realize that it's helping us like kind of unclog some other blockages. And we say things like, wow, I know this was really bad, but had this never happened, this and this and this wouldn't have resulted from it. And so I really appreciate that that's what happens as the story continues to unfold is they're able to deal with their past traumas that they were clinging to and they just couldn't, couldn't let go of that. Well, you notice too, that in that unfolding um, in Passion Walk Naked, that chocolate ends up finding her match. Yeah. And it was, and I had to, I wrote that in, I definitely put that in there on purpose because I didn't want the world to think that I was um, pissing on threesomes or, or knocking people that were involved in that situation. It's just with Nehemiah and Sandra that wasn't for them. They, they had disappeared into that mm-hmm. for reasons that God knew and they knew. And all along, the divine had a perfect will for chocolate. She just had to get to it. She had her own things that she was running from and dealing with her own things from the past that she was clinging to and reasons why she was doing that. You know, real life, people do that. You know, sometimes we can cling to situations and people that we may need to move on from to re-yoke up on a higher level on something that is best for us. You know, um, yeah. You know, one thing that I really liked that I kind of was like, yes, exactly. When I was reading it was the part when Nehemiah is kind of explaining to his wife, Sandra, like why he loves all the, all this kind of like evolution that he goes through. And he says, sometimes we're different every day. When I make love to you, I'm searching for what's new about you. That satisfies the hunt in me satisfying a new level of your womanhood. That's hot. It's like having a different woman in bed every night. I notice what's new and that has my complete attention. And I, I thought about something else I remember hearing too. I can't remember who said it, but was like, oh, I feel like I've been married to like five or six different husbands because of all of the evolution and changes you see in a relationship. Hmm. And this was just a more like emphasized view that really stands out for me. It's something my husband and I constantly say that we appreciate about each other is like, you know, like five years ago, you would have never said that. Or had you had this view when I first met you, I wouldn't have even looked at you or just things like that. And then to be able to search for the things that are different, not so much even in our presentations and behaviors, but what's different in the way that maybe we hide things or don't want to talk about things or don't want to confront things either if we realize that there's always a chase of discovery within Mm -hmm. our partner, I think that helps us kind of stay content within our relationship and not have to seek outward. Mm -hmm. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. I say, um, (laughs) let's be better, you know, instead of, because I think about in entertainment people, you, you'll hear me talk and you'll hear me say that a lot. I think about what's on television. I uh, pay attention to the pe- the things that people absorb themselves with, the things that people um, escape into or try to escape into to keep from dealing with the mm-hmm. things that um, plague them in their own life or the things that they're uncomfortable with. I see people try to get uncomfortable with things that really aren't working with them, working for them. Um, I say, if we're going to have entertainment, can we have entertainment that we grow from? Yeah. Can we not be afraid to look at our own selves? And um, when you're looking in the mirror, you know, uh, try not to judge yourself. The only one, you know, God is looking back at you as you're looking in the mirror. Is that such a scary place? We as adults, we hate transition of any kind. Mm-hmm. We rather stay stuck in a nightmare 
than to transition into something healthier. Yep, because we're comfortable. Right, comfortable. And and that's one of the things that I'd like to attack in my art. Mm. Come on, let's grow up. Let's let's you know we may be good and grown, but let's grow up some more. Yeah. Let's heal. You know, um, not not get lost or stuck. You know, on in one square on a chessboard of life. It doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, and you're in this this book, and I only read part two. Uh, passion walk naked your best teacher is your last mistake and what I mm-hmm. saw throughout the whole book was was nothing about except this is about healing this is about healing and what it made me do and in just about every chapter I would sit back and just kind of like soak it in and think okay there are so many applications here I mean even down to the prayers now I'm not I'm not good with prayer I just kind of like sit there and I'm like you know what I'm thinking, dude. Just tell me out here. Um, my husband. That's I, prayer. Yeah. I mm-hmm. cry a lot. I feel like when I, when I cry, that's my prayer. Like I just cry and I don't even know what I'm feeling or thinking or even want to say, but I just bawl and I'm just like, I'm getting all of this out. This just hear me. But mm-hmm. aside from that, I love the application of it. Like here's the healing process and like this, the scenes that you build and, and when you show like Nehemiah going into his office and praying or when you, Oh, I really love just in all the scenes when Sandra was visited by um, the other, the, the entities of the family. And I just thought sometimes like, I think we just need to stop and pause for that. And, and you can visualize that as an application in your own life. Like, those are the applications that may seem weird um, or just may seem very unconventional, but -hmm. there's something different than these mundane like things that your gurus and your new motivational speaker is offering to you. Cause you're like, that sounds good in your head, but if I can't visualize it, I don't know how to put it into practice. And so this was just from a completely different view of implementation. And I, again and again, I can't get over that. I loved all of the application in the book because okay. that it la- I lack it everywhere else. I'm like, Lord, I don't okay, know how that, to do this. So that speaks I just, to me. That's, it's my pulpit. The way I present my stories is a part of my anointing. It's the way I communicate. It is me. Hmm. That is me on the page. That is Sandra. You have met me. Um, you know, I've been doing my little video post because I want the world to meet me. People want to know the authors. It's like, hey, come check out my page. See yeah. where my personality, get to know me. That is me on the page. And that is my gift to the world. It's the only thing I got to give. It's the only thing any of us have to give is our authentic self. And yeah. that's me on the page. It's my art. Um, it's my pulpit. And it, it's my sermon. It's, it's my message mm. that God has given me to share in my own unique way through my personality on the page. And I know at some point I probably will be challenged by other people of the cloth who aren't as open as me that don't think that you can be all these things and talk about sex and writing and blah, blah, blah. You know, I expect they're going to come after me with a stake at some point. Oh, they will. Trust me. I made a promise, mm. though. I made a promise to myself and God that I'm going to be all of who I am. I'm going to be as much, as, my, uh, as much of my authentic self that I can be and um, in my art in the world. That's good. I, and they will, they will, they will come at <laughs> you. That's the thing I notice the most is, you know, and they try and challenge you in some of the dumbest ways. Like, well, too, I don't know if you know this, but Bishop Yvette Flunder just did a segment on Arrows on YouTube. Yeah, I watched it. Did you? I did. I took notes. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I'm following her now. I think I've watched four of her videos. Mm-hmm. I just thought, where, where has this woman been all my life? Because, yeah, I was, oh, everything she said resonated. But sorry, continue. She has been my pastor since I've been 23 years old, and I'm 52. Wow. And what I want to say, too, is I'm not worried about them coming after me because I got an army behind me. Yeah. <laughs> I have some very, very strong, open and affirming theologians that know me personally that would get behind me, you know, and that's I think great. that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I'm not afraid. 
you can't pay no mind to them. I just think that people are afraid of change and they just exhibit it yes. and they push back. They just don't, they, they think too, they're like, I'm already pushing against the status quo. And I'm like, but you've created your own now. And so I'm going to push against that. And that's what uh, I do too. That's what I really appreciate about you. You, and you deliver that message very blatantly. Like I want you people to think and that I'm on that frequency. It's like people have given up the ability to think they don't want to anymore. And it's really, really sad. That's dangerous because they're giving up themselves. I agree. When you're not thinking, I'm not going to argue and fight with people. One of my best friends asked, asked me, said, Sandra, so when you come across people that are going to fight you on your art or, you know, your, your book and what are you going to say? I'm going to be like, well, it's not for you. Put it down. Yes. Find something you want to read. Yes. Because those that need it will cling to it and find it. And those that don't move on. Yes. <laughs> I am right there with you. I feel the same way. I, I get pushed up against a lot and I have people going, well, maybe you should just, maybe you should tiptoe. Maybe you should, maybe you should backtrack a little bit and kind of further explain. And I'm like, nope, this is my message. If you're not ready for it, I'm going to keep going and you can catch up later when you're ready. So I'm right there with you. It's in, it's a challenge because it's scary because you have a higher threat of a smaller audience when you're not willing to acquiesce to everybody. I believe, and, and this um, theory came up in Deborah L. Johnson's book. She has two books out is the sacred. Yes. And your deepest intent. She, um, pastors in Santa Cruz. And the thought is this, we're all supposed to live by our own understanding. And I thought, whoa, that means I don't have, I'm not supposed to force you to be a Christian if you're a Jew. Yeah. I'm supposed to respect your view and let you live for your understanding. And I live for mine. Mm -hmm. We're all supposed to live by, and I thought to myself, whoa, that, that's just a whole a whole different concept that a lot of religious people don't get. And it's definitely a challenge. And I think we should do that. You can be a Hindu and I can be a Christian and we should be able to have a conversation. I enjoy speaking to other people, mm -hmm. which you can probably get because I've got different dynamics of different holy books in my writing. I did. Yes. That I love all of that. Yes. I loved um, auntie Mabel, all her little notes at the beginning mm -hmm. of every chapter. I, mm -hmm. I wrote down so many too. And I thought, this is great. And it incorporates so many different views. And what we talk about, there's so much Buddhism influence mm -hmm. in that. Some of yeah. those quotes, which are pull us away from duality and pull us away from this group mind thinking. And, and yeah, I really appreciated that, that you put that in there. And, you know, honestly, I was like, this is Greenleaf meets scandal meets zane and i really loved it <laughs> i don't know if you've ever seen greenleaf it's one of my favorite shows i'm addicted to it but i've i've seen some of it and excuse me tyler perry you need to find me <laughs> oh you need to find me brother uh, yes yes not only that it's a couple of other um people out there that i feel like i have great ideas you know, I say that I know there's other people probably trying to hunt them down to get their ideas out. But I think that my ideas complement where they've been and what they've been doing. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, with the right leadership under the right venue for television and big screen, this could blow up into a very productive series that people can heal from. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Like, get that Netflix going. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So let's go back to one of these questions that really stood out that I, I wondered if we couldn't just try and break down. And that is, okay. why do men use sex as a solution? How am I supposed to know the answer to that? I don't know. Okay. But I thought we no, could no, no, talk no. about it. <laughs> we, we can. Look at your smile. You're beautiful. Um, <laughs> I don't, I, some things just are, sis. Some things just are. And it's like, I don't, I can't sit up and give you a political answer or a, a Webster answer as to why that is. What I will say is that we are human. And what I will say is that in our humanness, we choose 
certain things. A lot of us hide behind a lot of things, Mm -hmm. men and women. You know, that that question almost suggested, let's beat up men, shall we? Okay, well then here, I'll I'll concede because... I use sex okay. as the solution. I, I, I'm okay. not going to lie. I do that with my husband. We will fight. And it's, it's, it's what sex does. Or it's what anger okay. does. It's what aggression does. It, it riles me up. And we get to a point where I'm like, can we just have sex and not talk about this? Right. You know? Absolutely. And sometimes she's like, okay. And other times she's like, are you serious right now? We're talking. <laughs> but I thought that was very interesting that there are... And maybe that's how it is. It's like one person or the other in the relationship at times. They always want to use just the body, just the flesh as a way to solve the problem. And I think that's not really a bad thing, though. You know, like maybe that's sometimes what we need. Because for me, sex is the most present thing you can do. Like you have to be so engaged, so attentive. This action. Yes. And it's right there and it demands all your attention. You're not talking about the past, but you said to that one girl when you were walking by, you're not talking about the future. You're talking about the right now. And so it's action, it's connection, it's power. Yeah. It can be healing. It can be harmful. (laughs) And I think sometimes we need that. We need that aggressive interruption when we're trying to deal with things. To just stop and focus on right in front. What's important right here, right now? I don't disagree with that. What I will say is you brought up the question and I can honestly say I had no idea when I was writing that I would land there. Uh, One of my dear friends was saying a lot of what you write have been intuitive, Mm -hmm. you know, spirit led. But what I will say too is that why not address it? Not just that. You know, in the sense of focusing on that, just that aspect of why do men do that? But mm-hmm. so many things have come across in my work that may be male focused or female focused. I like to think of it as human focused. I guess the real question is why do any of us escape into anything? <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. talk about that. You know, we're yeah. human. And, and because of our, we can be afraid of our own shadows. You know, progression, um, healing, uh, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Lots of times we don't want even the people that are closest to us to know what we're really going through because our friends get worried or how we're really viewing and dealing with the turmoil in our lives. Okay. Yeah. And in that, it just is we hide i think all of us are hiding from something why do we look to you know you said sex it could be food it could be pot it could be cleaning it could be and these are things that we we escape into as human beings Mm -hmm. it could be television it could be talking on the phone all the time all of these things can be something that is keeping us from our authenticity of truly dealing with where we really are or really pressing through the issues that are in front of us. And it becomes hard when those issues have to directly do with somebody that's in our lives Mm. because I got somebody that's in front of me that needs something or wants something for me that I am don't know that I'm capable of even interacting with them to even heal this issue. So let me stay out late and eat 12 donuts. Let me, <laughs> let me, I want two hamburgers today. I'll need. I have on occasion purchased a dozen donuts late at night to eat for myself. Not even lying there. Right. Do you know what I do? Come on. What do you, <laughs> we're human. Yeah. That's what we do. So let's just look Humans at it across like the board. Instead of attacking men. <laughs> let's just look at it and realize well, yeah. let's all just breathe yes. and think about what we do as human beings to escape or to check out everybody checking out you know the bars are full of people checking out but at know. the same time I think they're showing us people are trying to check in to connect too yes yeah that's that's very true yeah you preach on my sister that's very true yeah people do check out to check in but sometimes 
those puzzle pieces don't really fit. I agree. They don't produce the healthiest outcome. Oh, Why no. can't we check in to, to connect as opposed to checking out? To yeah. Connect? It's like we shut our true selves off and put ourselves out there as these personas for people. And then oh, yeah. we have to work towards revealing ourselves after we've connected and we hide in that fear because, oh, wait, that's not what you connected with back there. And now if I show you this, and that, I mean, that was the constant message throughout this passion walk with mm. Maya and Sandra was like, they kept, I can't reveal that part because I mean, I've revealed a lot to you now, but if I reveal this, this is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. And I've been there. Like, I mean, I was there with my husband having to confess to him that, you know, honey, I know you're over there in Iraq fighting for our freedoms, but I cheated on you. And yeah. And for mm -hmm. that, I was like, but I mean, that's, that's real. Like if I expose one more thing to you and I felt like that with my husband afterwards, like I had to walk on eggshells because like, I've already done like this big thing. I can't screw up anymore. Like I have to be perfect mm -hmm. now because he forgave me. And now I don't know. I got into that headspace where I was like, well, now anything I do, he's just going to leave, you know? But he was like, I didn't, I, I stayed through the worst. Like what's after that? Nothing. Oh, well, that's a better view, but we don't take it that way. We like count wrongs against each other. Wow. So, so one of the things you're talking about yourself a lot. So one of the things that I totally identify in my work, you just brought up about the characters that are like, well, if I expose this to you, if I expose that to you, which is one of the reasons why I started doing my whole FaceTime thing. I'm 52. I've lived a lot of years. And I, I spent my younger years very quiet and very much not sharing aspects of myself with, of, with a lot of people. So I totally identify with the, you know, what, what happens if you learn this about me or what happens mm -hmm. if you learn that. I totally get it. But I've finally grown to a point where I'm like, forget that. I'm going to be me. Mm -hmm. and, and you can like it. You cannot like it. You know, I like cartoons. So what? 52-year-old woman who watches cartoons. You know, um, I gotten to the point where I realized that the way I heal people is by being my full self. But I had to grow to that place. I had to grow to that place. And it took me a lot of years to get here, but I'm glad I finally arrived. Yes. Am I perfect? No, not at all. And yes, um, I've had some people who challenged me, like, you, you sent me something about you know, um, publicity and things to say and what to do. Mm -hmm. And I've had a couple of other people that have approached me with some things. And um, one of my friends, I thought to myself, well, you don't understand what I'm doing. No, I'm, I'm not doing this according to some formula and I'm not all educated mm -hmm. on how to be my, my best publicity out there. I know my greatest power is in my authenticity. Yeah. And that, you know, and that's, that's hard too. Cause I've had people kind of come to me and tell me too, like, Oh, let's fluff this over here and let's tighten this up over here and let's tiptoe this over here. And I gave you that advice. And after I sent it to you, I was like, that was bullshit. I should just tell her to be her fucking self, but no one needs to tell you that either. No, no, no. I'll look at it. I'm still willing to learn. No. Well, yeah. And I mean, I think there's a lot we can learn from other people, but I agree with you there. Like you, your authentic self is the only thing that you need to present because that's your superpower right there. Yeah. And that embracing it and holding it and embodying it. Yeah, absolutely. Which I think is your message throughout this book too, is like the constant reverberation throughout all of the melody was embrace who you are, own who you are, be authentic and don't lie to yourself. And mm -hmm. yeah, over and over and over again, that was just, that was so apparent in all the pages. Mm -hmm. And so you embody that obviously. Right on. Um, I look forward to you reading my first book. It, it, I've said online, I know it, it needs work. Okay, that was my first little, my baby, my first novel. There's a good message in it. I was listening to it today 
and a part of me wants to rip it apart, not rip it apart, but stretch it, take my novella and make it a novel, a full book, mm. because there's so much that's, that's not told there. And I know exactly what its problems are, but I have to breathe and say, nope, not going back there right now. I'm going to plow forward with the third novel. This is a growing process. And I say this because I know people who pretend, you know, they write something, they may write it all by themselves, get no help. They want pats on the back. They want somebody to tell them how wonderful it is. Any sort of project of this length is a work in progress. Lots of people republish people need to be, I don't know, I want to, I want to say that they need to be kinder because people will rip your work to shreds, man. I know. It's like, it's, it's no reason to be, don't pretend about it. Heck, yeah. you know, if it's a work in progress, it's a work in progress. Nobody can rip me to shreds because I completely understand what my work is and what my message is and uh, what's the authentic me on the page. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to continue to grow the series. I'm going to continue to do that. At some point, I'll go back and redeal with the first book. I found myself longing for some other things out of the content of my first book. My second book, I've grown a lot. I've grown so much, girl. Woo-wee. I've had Every some year really, we really... get to grow. Isn't that great? That is great. That is absolutely great. The next book, Passion Walk 3, I think I'm going to call it The Psalms of Sandra. Mm, yeah, and I it's like going to be it's going to be focused on the character Sandra. I've been getting from my um, community. We want to hear about Sandra. We want <laughs> so yeah. the next book. She's got a story. Yeah, next book is going to be about her, and now she's in a situation. She pregnant now <laughs> mm, with courage. Pregnant with courage. Yes, absolutely. You I should make sure they, I let everybody know there might be spoiler alerts in this. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, which is, it's the hardest, it's the hardest book for me to write because that character was created from my own personality. Mm. So it's the, it's the hardest book for me to face because it's so hard to write about yourself or different aspects. It's fiction. It's fiction. Okay, guys. So it's not real life, everything real life, but it is written from my personality and my character. Yeah. And, um, when your heart and your soul, I mean, yeah, all writers, we put our, we put our hearts into there. Right. And, um, after that, uh, there is a couple of other, uh, paths that we'll take, you know, I'm going to go back and open up, uh, you're going to get the stories of Nehemiah's family, his cousins, Mm. they've all got stories. Actually, I wrote that skeleton before I realized I needed to write Sandra's book. And the way that book is written is like uh, the book of Andrew, mm. the book of everybody. Every book is called in the short stories. It's called the name of the characters. I like that. And, uh, and there's a possibility that dad Johnson and that community of, of the, um, gay elders may get a book. You know, the characters are so interesting. I can almost mm-hmm. go in any direction with this and, and keep it under the passion walk um, label and yeah. branch out into different areas. I've had people come and say, have you thought about this? I'm having a great time thinking about the possibilities. And um, it's good to communicate with new people about the project. It's good to communicate with you. I really appreciate your attention and uh, the attention of all my friends out there, my new friends on Facebook that are now being aware of the project. And so how can people keep up with you? What's the best way to get into contact with you? Do you want people to find you on Facebook? Do you have a website? Can you let our listeners know how they can reach you, Star? The best way to get in contact with me now would be through my Star Plumber page and to inbox me there. That would be the best way to get in contact with me. That's how you found me. Yes. <laughs> and um, okay. that would be the best way to get in contact with me now. 
All right. And then the book Passion Walk Two, Naked, Your Best Teacher is Your Last Mistake. And the first one, Passion Walk. What was that one again? Can you throw that title out? Passion Walk, Don't Let Your Blessings Slip Away. Okay. And both are on Amazon. Uh-huh. And so listeners, get your book, get your passion walk on, and star, thank you. This was an honor and a privilege, and I look forward to helping you all I can. Please let me, please let me redo the notes. Let me pretty them up for you. That's <laughs> something I'm actually working on. I'm not going to lie. I haven't really said anything, but I kind of have a goal of being able to help writers with notes, like too long didn't read versions. and fancy little notes. And so if I could, that was beautiful. Thank you. Me, I love that very much. Let me pretty them up and get you some new ones over there. Help you out if I can. Right on. Thank you very much. 